Hello and welcome to another episode of Eden Talks, a podcast series which looks at how Eden House and our partners support our customers in an ever-evolving technological landscape. I'm Rob Furnival, Director of Partnerships and Alliances at Eden House. In this episode, I'll be discussing the very important subject of cybersecurity. And to help do this, I have James Corrigan, who is IT Manager at Eden House, and Stefan Vitalis-Brunn, who is Senior Solutions Architect at Winterhawk, one of our trusted kinship partners. Welcome to you both. Stefan, let's start with you. Can you explain how Winterhawk works with the team here at Eden House? Thank you, Rob. Good morning, all. What we do at Winterhawk, we are really specialists in risk management, cybersecurity, and we've worked in the kinship partners for the last three years, working on sub-GRC identity, access management, cybersecurity, sub-security, and other topics. So, Stefan, Winterhawk are obviously specialists in cybersecurity. Have you noticed with the pandemic that people are taking more notice of this subject in recent times? Uh, it is very true, Rob. We've seen cybersecurity issues far more often than what we had seen in the past. I can talk about two cyber attacks you might have heard about. One is in December related to Pfizer and BioNTech. And what we know is that they had data which was unlawfully accessed. Another series of cyber attack we've seen has been between September and December uh, last year. And IBM pinpointed this hacking operation was made of a massive phishing campaign spanned across six countries. What IBM found out was that the culprit was very familiar with the components and the participant of the cold supply chain, which includes solar panel manufacturers and makers of dry ice. So it was a classic case of someone impersonating a biomedical company and wanting to get access to internal communication and how the COVID-19 vaccine would be actually distributed. What we do to helping here is putting in place solutions at Winterhawk to helping on cybersecurity and fraud management. What we put in place is sub-business integrity screening, a tool which allows you to monitor in real time what is happening in your subsystem. It's actually looking into your master data. It's looking into your transactional data and looking for any suspicious activities, fraud, invoices, which have been double created by someone within your company who should not do these kind of things. This is a really powerful tool based on a big data screening from SAP that we do implement to check what's happening inside your SAP system against those cybersecurity threats. So, James, you've been with Eden House for over seven years, but I know you've started in IT over 30 years ago. The world of cybersecurity is obviously a very different landscape then. What's the differences from then and now? Hi, Rob. Yes, my role has changed. I've uh, very much grown up within the IT industry and noticed many changes along the way. Sound like a fossil, but I joined IT when there was no such thing as firewalls. There was no threats for viruses or anything like that. But of course, now things have become more specialised. During the last four to five years, vulnerabilities have doubled on a year-to-year basis. So that's when we realise standardisation is required in business for cybersecurity. 
So we took on a framework called ISO 27001 at Eden House. That has paid off dividends. It gives us a methodology to follow. We have a committee, so we have quite a few people working together. It's all about identifying risks and mitigating those risks or accepting those risks or avoiding those risks. Even today on this podcast, got to be very careful what I say, because that could be a hacker's dream if I give something away regarding Eden House Network. So yeah, things have certainly ramped up over past years. You learn from the best now. And I guess, James, that there's companies out there that maybe haven't invested as much as they could have done or should have done maybe in cybersecurity, who ultimately have paid the price by being hit by ransomware and then losing you know, weeks of production or manufacturing capability until they either pay the ransom or end up rebooting systems going back weeks and weeks, which takes ages to sort out. And all of those costs are quite significant. In terms of the risks that you talked about, can you take us through some of those risks? There's new risks coming out pretty much every week. So me personally, I follow an online system called SANS. So SANS gives you up to the minute threats and vulnerabilities to all IT systems. If I see something on there, then obviously it goes straight onto our risk register and we look into it and make sure that we can mitigate that risk. Because it's big business now, the way hackers are set up now is not just somebody sitting in their basement attempting to hack into individual companies. It can be an actual company set up to hack individual companies. They can be a smash and grab, you know, uh, try and get into your system and get what they can there and then, or they can actually target you and make their way into your systems over a period of time. That period of time could be months, could be years, waiting for the ultimate attack. I'll give you some examples of some cybersecurity threats. I mean, there's one, maybe people have heard of this called DDoS. It's uh, sort of a, it's an attack on your system where they get bots around the internet and they basically target your system and hammer it until it gives up. So we've got phishing. These are emails that arrive in your inbox requesting you to change your password. So people click the link and unbeknown to them, they're being taken off to a hacker's website where they'll enter their username and password. We've got waterholing where they'll attack your website. Smishing, that's a funny one. That is, you may have received these yourself. You get an SMS text asking you for information. Again, attempting to get your username and password. We've also got vishing, which is a good old phone system. They'll phone you up and attempt to get information out of you, pretending to be from your IT support department or somewhere within your company. Ransomware, which is the latest one. That's uh, quite a bad one, really, because if ransomware enters the system, then what it does, it attacks all computers. It acts like a worm on your network. And they get away with that by requesting payment via cryptocurrency, so it's non-traceable. That's a, a nice new one that's come our way that we have to protect ourselves against. And also just making sure that uh, authentication and authorization is up to date with the multi-factor authentication methods that they have nowadays. So you can confirm it's definitely you logging on. So yeah, it's certainly uh, put a new chapter in the book when it comes to cybersecurity. I guess the other thing though, James, is, I mean, I've seen that some of these people are are responding very quickly to changes in the marketplace. I know I got a, a text through just uh, about two weeks after Brexit and there was all the news saying that 
you know, there we, there were going to be increased tariffs for shipping and things like that. We were waiting for a parcel to come through from the US from my daughter. I get a text saying, oh, you've got a parcel due to be delivered next week, but there's £4.99 outstanding on duty. Can you just put in your bank account details, you know, or just pay us for the four ninety nine? And it And you sort of look at it originally and you think, actually, that sort of seems quite realistic. And then you think, hang on a minute, that's not the way I'm going to get this through. But it came through and it looked like it was from a very reputable courier that we knew was delivering stuffs to us. So the information that's out there, it is quite frightening. And I guess... In addition to that, the advent of widespread homeworking has really changed the landscape for you guys and that there's a host of challenges that we're now having to protect against system hacking compared to where you're all in a single building. Stefan, what, what measures do you think we should be putting in place to protect us? Just to, to come back on what you said just before, which I feel is important. So I've been experiencing firsthand what James was talking about. So a company having to stop activities for three weeks or more because a worm had actually infected all of their architecture. Every laptop, desktop, servers had been infected by this kind of worm. It had been a real nightmare and it had been actually a major business disruption. It took them months to restore. They did not want to pay for the ransom. So companies should be very aware and have everything in place to mitigate. Coming back on to the real big challenge as well, which was caused by COVID-19, having people working from home. I've seen a really challenging time here. We had to put in place very quickly a second-factor authenticator solution because IT and security was really keen. I wanted to be really sure that the people who would be leaving the office, simple example, didn't want to have the kids to use a parent's laptop. <laughs> that could happen to, uh, to use parent's laptop when working from home. I'm sure nobody did it, but it could have been a threat. So it has been very important at the time to authenticate and to be able to have a second way of authenticating someone. A mobile phone, for example. So we've seen a mobile phone used here for a second uh, step authentication. So IDM, identity management tool, to helping on the being sure you are the right person connecting and helping as well the company to easily provide the right access to the right person at the right time. Those things have been really the tools and the main concerns we've seen at Winterhawk during this COVID-19 crisis. I totally agree. I mean, the attack surface area has uh, certainly changed. Now people are starting to work from home. We're at the mercy of their home network. So as Stefan covered, you know, identity management. So there's certain things we had to put in place pretty quickly to make sure that that is the person logging onto the laptop. As you say, they could have their children on that laptop, which could cause problems. All of these uh, controls we have put in place and we're working on other ones at the moment. They've all been born pretty much from the ISO 27001 standard, as I, as I talked about before. So the ISO 27001 standard is, has 114 controls that are uh, put together. They don't tell you what to do. They just guide you. So you go out and find the right method, technology, policy, 
whatever it takes to control and mitigate the risk. These are to protect when somebody else has uh, got the device. Um, if somebody enters the office whilst it's empty, you know, that could also be a threat. So there's many attack surfaces that we still have to look after, even whilst people are sitting at home and nobody's in the office and everything's just working away in the office. Certain things we've put in place over the time is obviously the multi-factor authentication, very important to identify the person. We've turned on full disk encryption to make sure that if a laptop was stolen from the home or left in the, the vehicle or something, the attacker couldn't read the information on that drive we also utilize a certain chip in most new computers now called the TPM chip, Trusted Platform Management, that operates with your operating system to make sure all the cryptography, all your access is all controlled and true, and it can block you if it doesn't trust you at the time. On top of that, we've had a very important thing. We've actually employed a third party to act as white hat hackers where they try and penetrate your system. They'll act like a real hacker. So they can identify risks or vulnerabilities from the outside and the inside. So from this, we've enforced more policies on devices, automated policies. We've updated manual policies that we'd have on our intranet to help the user uh, make the right choice. Even right down to things like making sure we have registered deliveries of devices so we know that when an information system is like a laptop is moving from one location to another, it actually gets there and it's signed for. There's some of the measures we put in place. And uh, I certainly feel our network and environment is much more secure. And I feel the people are more educated on the threats. Yeah, I know certainly from my own experience, when we implemented the two-factor authentication, initially it was it was quite clunky. There was a text message and it didn't always work. I live in a place where maybe mobile phone signal isn't always as good as it could be. And so sometimes the text didn't come through. But more recently, we've moved on to an app on the phone, which works through face recognition. And it's extremely simple to use. I guess, James, with the advent of this two-factor authentication, does this mean that businesses are looking at the subject of identity as a whole these days? Yes, certainly. There's there's always new technologies uh, evolving. You, you've just mentioned one there, the, the facial recognition. So if you're authorizing through your phone, the new phones can make it a lot easier for the user because we don't want to put hurdles in the way. Security is generally seen as hurdles to the end user. So if you're signing on, you type in your username, your password, you look at your phone, you're in. You know, that's that's a nice thing for the end user rather than having to type in six digit characters all the time. Yeah. And I guess it's certainly it's seamless for me. And it's reassuring to know that our systems and securities are watertight, particularly in these times where we're all working from home. Stefan, what would you say is the top on the list of for companies to think about when protecting themselves during these times? Securing data. I mean, we know that now data is oil. So meaning data is quite expensive. Every cyber attackers are looking for your data. The beauty of the new technology today is that we can actually publish data on many places. 20 years ago, we had a mainframe, we had our data safe into a mainframe. The mainframe was in-house. Now, the mainframe is still here, but the data is everywhere. Data is fluid. 
Meaning that when you take, for example, some tools like Power BI, which are a beautiful tool, which allow you to, with one snap of your finger, to publish data on the web. If you're not careful, you could actually publish potentially critical information on the web into a place where people would be able to see information they should not be able to see. So today, data has to be secured, and tomorrow, data has to be secured. So we are really now looking for solutions to ensure that the flow of data is secured from the beginning to the end. The real challenge today for me and for many companies is to ensure that the data is safe wherever it is and that only people who are entitled to see it can see it. Yeah, I agree, Stefan. Mainly the end user is the uh, one of the biggest considerations. People can be your weakest link or your greatest defense with the correct education. So we ensure within Eden House that we uh, have continuous awareness and education on uh, IT security and also uh, regarding the social engineering around information security as well. That is, again, where people will phone up and pretend to be somebody or even use an email to do that. So I think it's quite important that companies take on education awareness for the end user and they're to remember that this is not just an IT issue. This is a, a company-wide issue and everybody's responsible, not just the IT department. So I think it's important for all companies to have adopted a, a good strategy moving forward by taking on a framework of some kind. Again, we use ISO 27001, but we also use Cyber Essentials Plus, which is a good grounding for your network. They'll come in and actually physically test you. So it is about the long game. It's, it's not getting any easier. We've got to look after the end user. So although we're educating them, making them aware, we've also got to make sure there's technical measures in place just in case they do make a mistake and, and press on that button on an email or, or respond to somebody. Back in January 2020, part of ISO 27001, we would run through scenarios that may happen to us. So in the past, we've had the usual flood scenario, um, other issues with staff. But in January, because we heard things going on around the pandemic, we decided to target um, a scenario regarding the pandemic. We were in the meeting room for a good couple of hours, and the amount of things that came out of that was quite eye-opening, really. So one of the things, for instance, we realized we, we didn't have enough VPN licenses. A simple thing. We, we would have stopped everybody from working from home, and that could have impacted the company for probably you know over a week before we had those licenses in place. We had to change our network topology slightly, so everyone could get to every uh, system securely working from home and also line speeds so people didn't have an issue getting to the information because i say 27001 sort of relies on a fundamental cia confidentiality integrity and availability you want to make sure the information is confidential nobody has actually messed about with the information along the lines and it's always available hence the line speed hence you know the vpn licenses that was a good scenario to go through and i recommend Every company goes through these scenarios. I know too late for the pandemic, but uh, if you have scenario meetings, just blue sky it and think of something really interesting to look into. And I am personally glad we looked into the pandemic scenario at the time. Well, that's all for this episode. From today's discussion, it's clear that keeping on top of the changes and advances in cybersecurity will always be an essential consideration for businesses of all sizes. 
and the need to be agile and flexible to fit in with the ever-evolving working logistics. My thanks to James and Stefan, and thanks to you for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's podcast. So if you'd like to get involved in the discussion or you have any questions, you can do that on our blog where we will be sharing all of these shows. You can find that really easily at edenhousesolutions.co.uk forward slash blog. And of course, you can also subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, goodbye.